Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and it is time for another Q&A. Q&A went over really well last month. Uh, I do not plan on making this necessarily a monthly episode, although if questions keep coming in, or if I have enough left after I'm done recording this week's episode, uh, you know, it may be something that I add into the podcast from time to time. Uh, but the timing just worked out, and we had so many left over from last month that I didn't want to delay them too much because I, I honestly did feel bad about the ones that I didn't get to that you guys submitted last month. So I've got a, a whole list of stuff that was left over that I didn't make it to and then I just put up a call for some more questions tonight uh, although it was only about 10 minutes ago so we'll see who manages to get uh, some more questions in in the next little bit here and if I get to them and if I don't I promise you I will get to them on a future episode although uh, chances are entire Q&A episodes like this aren't going to be super frequent. Uh, it's just, like I said, the scheduling worked out. I know what we're doing. You know, Toy Fair was last week. Uh, next week, it, well, I'll go ahead and say it. Next week is our Friday the 13th Part 5 Needless Commentary. So go grab your copy of that movie and be ready for that one. Uh, the week after that, like I know the next couple of weeks, it's just this week was kind of an open week where I didn't have anything specific. And, uh, we're going through sort of a changeover. I know I've, I've talked a little bit about what's going on at work. Work is super tough right now, uh, and we're going through a little bit of a changeover there, uh, hopefully for the better. But it's it's one of those things where I I only have so much energy in my life, and sometimes the paying job takes a little more of that energy and uh you know, as far as me contacting somebody for an interview or to talk about something, uh, that energy just isn't present. So Q and a is something that I can sit down, have a whole lot of fun doing. Uh, and like I said, I got a really good response from the last one. So for me, it's a, it's a slam dunk episode. Good to go. Uh, and speaking of energy, so the, this isn't quite news, so I'm just going to say it up front here. I, this was my first day. This is day one of my DDP yoga journey. Now, this is not the point where I say, enter the code PHANTOM for your 10% off the DDP yoga, whatever, because I'm not there. Uh, I'm not that guy. Probably never will be. Um, but I will say this. I've been hearing about DDP yoga for years now. If you're a wrestling fan, you have too, I'm sure. Uh and I've been wanting to give it a shot. I just know about my problems sticking to things. But this is important to me. I've been having back, I wouldn't say back issues, that's really too strong a word, but sometimes my back gets jacked up. And I know I have a sedentary job. I'm not very flexible. I 100% need to lose weight. I'm always struggling with that. But... uh I just, I, I really would like to feel better. And from everything that I've heard from everybody who's done it, from the celebrities to people I know who have done the DDP yoga, 
that's what it does. It makes you feel better. And after, so I, today I woke up and I decided I've got to do something. And I once again pulled up, you know, downloaded the DDP app. I've downloaded it a couple times before and never pulled the trigger. I uh, downloaded and went ahead and paid up front for a year because it does cost money because there is so much, it, it's such an incredible service just from the few hours I spent with it today. I can't believe how much is in there and I can't believe how much of the hardest part of the work they're going to do for me because again my problem is committing to these things and sticking with them but it it schedules your workouts it tells you which workouts to do it gives you like it does so much of the stuff that I have a problem with is built into it and to me that's worth the year that I paid and I went ahead and did a year because I I 100% plan to stick to this. Uh, I don't want it to feel like a, I have to do it for this long. I want it to feel like this is part of my life now. Uh, and as stingy as I can be about certain things, that's going to be part of my motivation. So today I did the first workout. Now, apparently like today was an introductory day and tomorrow was going to be the first workout, but I really wanted to do something to make to, to get some stretching to make my back feel better, whatever, uh, today. So I went ahead and went to the workout section and looked at, I think it's Diamond's Dozen, which are the 12 yoga moves that he uses. A lot of them he's modified a little bit or renamed after, uh, the, there are a lot of wrestling references uh, in there, which I appreciate. It makes them a little bit more fun and it makes, it makes it a little bit more personal too, because I feel like it's not just some, like if I went to like a yoga studio, what, what would I connect with there? And that's the most important thing about anything we undertake is having some kind of personal connection with it. Uh, and that gave it sort of a personal connection beyond the fact that DDP, a little tiny DDP is standing in your phone yelling at you. And I say yelling at you, in the wonderful, encouraging way that DDP has, not in the like drill sergeant way. It's it's he is fantastic, uh, and and it was delightful to be there doing a workout with DDP in front of me on my phone. Uh, and I did. Uh, it was about a forty-five minute, just moving through his basic yoga moves, and it it felt great. Some of them were a little harder than other ones, but it's all very very easy there's nothing complicated like right now in my head I'm pretty sure I could do any of the ones that I did without going back and looking at them uh, it's it's sort of intuitive in a way almost like you know how when you stretch you, you do certain things well it's that but just with with more purpose uh, and the whole, the dynamic resistance thing is, is it sounds like horse shit that you can work out without weights, but, and, and, and obviously you're not, if you're a body guy, this isn't going to be your only thing. Uh, cause you're, you're not going to bulk up. You're not going to get big, huge, you're not going to get, you're not going to get the peaks like big Papa pump with doing this program. Uh, but it is like you feel it working. It's crazy. And I've gone on way too long for something that's not an infomercial. I just, I just wanted to say that doing it for this first day, 
it felt great. It was what I thought it would be. It made me feel like I thought it would make me feel, and I'm really excited to find out what this does for me. Uh, so anyway, there you go, DDP Yoga. If you've been thinking about it, uh, I just after one day, you know, I'll, I'll obviously be letting you guys know what my progression is over the next year. Uh, although the the first the initial sort of set period is 13 weeks. So over the next 13 weeks, I'll certainly be letting you guys know every week if there's, you know, change or specific things I want to talk about. But just just from the first day, I feel like this is something that's going to be very positive. And I would say if if you want to make a change and you're ready to commit to something, that I think this is a good way to do an easy way to do it. It's going to hold your hand. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> there's a free endorsement uh, if you didn't believe Chris Jericho or AJ Styles or all the other people who've endorsed DDP Yoga over the years, if you needed to hear it from your old pal Dave, there it is. It seems like it's going to be pretty good. So now it's time for some news. Okay, there are a couple of cool pre-orders this week, but one thing that I want to mention that you may not hear about anywhere else uh, there is a publisher named Flesk, F-L-E-S-K. You can find their website at fleskpublications.com. And it's where I got the uh, Ballpoint Beauties book from Frank Cho that came out last year. Uh, he has done his stuff through Kickstarter, and he's a very responsible creator and artist who delivers on everything I've ever uh, backed from him. Uh, I 100% give that guy my recommendation and support if you're a fan of his art, which I am. He's one of my favorite artists of all time. Uh, but now on FleskPublications.com, Bruce Tim, who was one of the creators of Batman and the Animated Series, one of the uh, powerhouses behind the DC Animated Universe, uh, Bruce Tim has a new art book coming out. Uh, his original art book... Uh, Oh, hang on. Uh, Naughty and Nice, which features Tim Bruce Tim working in all kinds of different mediums, uh, but it's his signature style, and it, it's it's like a pinup book, but it's it's Bruce Tim style. It's awesome. I love it. It's it's one of the things that when I look at my bookshelf, I'm like, man, I'm glad I've got that. Well, he's got a new one coming out. It's it's a sequel of sorts uh, to Naughty and Nice, and it's called uh, The Big Tease. And it's available in paperback or hardcover. And you can pre-order it from fleskpublications.com. Uh, it is 220 pages. Where, where did uh, I just lost my place uh, on this uh, page. It's over 200 pages. We'll say that. Over 200 pages of uh, Bruce Tim artwork, which is absolutely worth the cover price. And you can get hardcover or paperback if you order the hardcover. It includes two free bonus 8x10 mini prints uh, featuring art from in the book. If you pre-order the book from Flesk, you get it for 50 bucks instead of 60 bucks. And I will tell you right now, these are gorgeous editions. These are not your like run-of-the-mill hardcover books. These are very special releases that Flesk does. And th this is one 
I've had my eye on. It's up available now. And if you're a fan of Bruce Tim and you're a fan of pinup art, I say you go get this thing right now. And you'll see a lot of familiar characters in these things. You'll you'll see you know some of the DC stuff, some of the Marvel girls, a lot of horror movie stuff. Uh, he has a wide range of tastes, and you're going to see a lot of it in here. As a matter of fact, I just pulled up an image of a crazy science fiction girl with a sort of slee stack looking moon monster in the background. Like it's his style is so right up my alley. And and obviously was such a huge influence hitting when it did in the early 90s, or at least uh, my discovery of it in the early 90s, uh, that th- this this stuff is just wonderful to me. So go check that out. Uh, another big pre-order that hit today, as a matter of fact, the day that I'm recording this, the Mezco 112 Collective Mr. Freeze is available for pre-order wherever you get your toys. Uh, the 112 figures, even though they're pricey, and I hate to pay shipping on top of that, I have now gotten in the habit of ordering them direct from Mezco because it's the fastest you're going to get them. You always get a little bonus treat, um, one, one of their minifigures or something, which I like. They're fun to open up and see what's in there. Uh, you'll get some promotional stuff. Like To me, it's worth the cost of shipping to get it early, to get it direct from Mezco, and to get their little bonuses that come in there. So that's what I've been doing. But you can also get it from my favorite toy retailer, BigBadToyStore.com, Entertainment Earth, uh, probably Dorkside. Wherever you get your toys, you can get this thing. But it looks incredible. This might be my favorite 112 figure to date. I'm, I'm a huge Mr. Freeze fan in the first place. So that's kind of already there. Although, t- to be honest, that on that might have made it a little bit tougher for Mezco to potentially do a good job on this because I'm pretty picky about what I need Mr. Freeze to look like. And what this Mr. Freeze looks like is essentially the design from Arkham City with a little bit of animated series. Um, and color-wise, maybe even a little bit from Batman 66. It's It's... an absolutely fantastic design the gun lights up uh the backpack lights up the portraits look unbelievable i mean this is this is mr freeze exactly as i want to see him uh i love the animated series design but only in the context of the animated series i don't want uh, an action figure real world comic book design to be just a black bodysuit, uh, or, or it was, like it doesn't work, but this, uh, it looks incredible. Uh, it comes with eight different hands, uh, freeze blast effect, a frozen something effect. What, what is this? Uh, freeze it just says freeze effects. So I don't know if you can put that on somebody's head or what, uh, but it comes with a smaller freeze gun, a full size freeze gun, just, this is incredible. I, I As soon as I got the email this morning, I put in my pre-order. Uh, and the other cool thing about ordering from Mezco is if if you've got the, the scratch and you're willing, you can just prepay for this stuff using PayPal as opposed to doing the pre-order where it doesn't charge until it ships. You can just pay for it. And that's what I've been doing with these because I know they're going to deliver on the product. Uh, I trust this company. I do not necessarily recommend you do that for any other kind of pre-order. But Mezco has been doing this for years now. They put out great products. They stand by their word. Twice now they have helped me out with an issue that 
uh, other toy companies have not or would not. I have specific experiences with certain other companies where they have not backed their product in the way that Mezco has. Uh, so I have 100% faith in Mezco, and I, and I like paying up front. I don't like uh, you know, getting that shipping notice and saying, make sure you have the funds. Uh, because you know, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll have the funds, but at the same time, maybe in November or next February or whenever the heck this thing comes out, uh, I won't necessarily want to spend those funds at that time on this thing. Uh, so I want to go ahead and get it out of the way since I've got it now. Let me let me go ahead and pay for it now. Right now it says ships in September to November of 2020, uh, which I think we can safely assume will end up being February of 2021. <laughs> but uh, whatever the case is, I can't wait to get my hands on this guy. As soon as they showed him, uh, I want to say at Comic-Con was the first time we saw him, but it might have been New York uh, Comic-Con or New York, what is it called? Is it New York Comic-Con? Whatever it is. Um it might have been there, but anyway, sometimes towards the last half of last year, it was the first we saw this guy, and I've been excited since then. Look at the quilting. He's got, like, quilting on his bodysuit. It just looks incredible. The detail's amazing. I love it. Uh, so go check that out if you're interested. If you're a 112 collector, obviously this one I think is a must-have. Uh, what else? Very little else in the way of news. Uh, I guess the last thing I really wanted to hit on, uh, pictures of the Batmobile from Matt Reeves' Batman film have leaked slash been released. I honestly don't know where they came from. I found them on Instagram. I mean, I'll, obviously by this point they're all over the internet, but I came across them on Instagram. Uh, and... It's not just the Batmobile. It's also much better pictures of the Bat suit. And I got to say, you guys, I am more excited about this movie than I've ever been. This Batmobile looks like something that uh, Sean Murphy would have drawn. Uh, it's just badass. It's a muscle car, it's a total muscle car. It's got sort of a fin design on the back. But this is unlike any live-action Batmobile we've ever seen. Uh, they went the opposite direction from the big, like, over-the-top, impractical thing. Because, you know, I like the Tumblr. It's cool. But it doesn't look like a Batmobile. It looks like a Bat tank. Uh, the, the Matter of fact, I preferred the, the uh, Dawn of Justice Batmobile. Uh, but it still doesn't, like, in my head, that's never going to be a default Batmobile. This thing, it's a car that's been modified to carry the world's greatest detective around. It's very, uh, it's just so stylistic and cool and sleek and 70s looking. I can't wait to have a toy of it. I'll buy a Hot Wheels of it. I'll buy a Jada Toys 124th scale model of it or remote control. It's just such a cool look. And the Bat. Uh, iconography is that the word I'm looking for is there but it's very subtle and I like that it's very old school and slick and then beside the Batmobile in these pictures you get a better look at the actual Batsuit which to me is very reminiscent of and I'm going to butcher this name Okay, I don't know if it's Simon or Simone, and I don't know if it's Bianchi or Bianchi or something else entirely, 
uh but the uh, he he did batman noel and uh a joker oh gosh i can't remember what the joker one is called it's probably just called joker and i'm being an idiot uh but anyway that artist's design for the bat suit this reminds me of that a good bit it still has that arkham style that i talked about uh, a couple weeks ago but it's just got a cool look the gauntlets are sort of separate pieces and there's a lot of like the armor looks more flexible and less armory i'm just really into this and i love the collar anybody who doesn't like the collar i totally get it but for me it adds another dimension it makes that head look more mobile i love the cowl being separate from the cape in this way uh the ears are at first i thought they were too far back like on some of the older stuff we've seen or older like from a couple weeks ago but now looking at them in this picture again uh that uh did i say sean murphy i'm losing my mind you guys i can't remember what anything is called anymore uh okay here let me do a little live sean gordon phillips no it is murphy isn't it sean gordon murphy yeah it's totally sean gordon murphy i was right I shouldn't doubt myself so much. And and again, I'll say this. Uh, I've said it before. If you're not following him on, him on Instagram, you should be. Uh, but the artist uh, responsible for Batman the White Knight, which is one of my favorite Batman things ever, uh, it also has a look of that about his artwork. I, I just... Uh, or uh, about this it, the inspiration from Batman White Knight like it it has that feel to it maybe not the look so much as the feel while the car like I said it, it 100% looks like Murphy's artwork but anyway I'm stoked I'm very excited about this movie and also the tone of these pictures there's sort of a fog and a, and a, a darkness to them that looks very cool and i know you're thinking to yourself uh dave every literally every batman movie that happened after 1966 uh had had a gloomy tone and and yes you're right but something about this just looks sort of 70s and cool and i don't want to say more down to earth because that's my whole problem with nolan's batman movies but i want a batman in the city detecting and and this has that vibe so anyway enough about the batmobile and uh the the little tiny bits of news that we had this week oh one more piece of news uh, before i hit the ding again psycho Goreman. uh it is the new film from the guy who made the void if you're a fan of the void go check this out but uh even if you're not just google psycho Goreman. Goreman is one word and see what you think of that I think it looks bonkers. I'm excited, and we will absolutely be doing a commentary on that film. Uh, so now it is time, if you're ready, to wrap up the news and get to the Q&A. All right, Phantomaniacs, it is time for our March Q&A. Uh, I want to thank you guys for submitting these questions. Uh, the I'm going to start with the ones that I didn't get to last month. Uh, but we already have new questions pouring in right now, so I promise you I will answer each and every one of these in time. Uh, but my priority right now is to get to the ones that are are 
left over from last month. So we're going to start with, and there are a couple of these that were second questions from people who I answered their first question last time around. Uh, so that, and actually, this first one is one of those. Uh, our pal Jason, who is on next week's Friday the Thirteenth Needless Commentary, uh, with horror movies being remade or rebooted, which one would you like to see rebooted? Uh, as you guys know. I am not one of those people who has that innate resistance to to remakes, reboots, and sequels. I think a good idea is a good idea. So if somebody says, oh, I've got a fresh take on this thing, I'm interested in that. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be good. It may turn out to be trash, and a lot of them do. But seeing the word remake, reboot, or sequel, or, or even prequel, doesn't immediately turn my bile and make me want to write angry things on the internet because I don't feel like that's fair. I don't have enough evidence with that statement to get upset about anything. You never know what's going to be good until you've seen it. You know, don't get me wrong. You can have an idea, uh, but you don't know. So, uh, Jason, here's my pick, and I've probably said this before, but I'll say it again now like as an official statement uh and i this is really one of my picks for just in general movie i'm dying to see i want a remake or an update or whatever of captain chronos vampire hunter uh it's one of my favorite movies of all time it's my favorite hammer horror movie i think it's hugely underappreciated and i i would not want it to take place in now now this is preference wise I would not want it to take place in the present day, although it could. Uh, if somebody was enthusiastic enough about this idea and they had a good idea for it to be a modern-day story, then sure, why not? Like I said, I'm not going to dismiss anything out of hand, but ideally for me it would be a period piece shot with modern technology, by which I don't mean a CGI fest. I mean the great combination of practical effects and maybe even puppetry depending on how you wanted to go with it with the CGI to make up for the shortcomings of in-camera effects so there you go I, I, I would love to see a new Captain Kronos I'd love it to be a franchise I'd love for it to go on and on and on forever I don't know who in the world could ever possibly replace Carolyn Monroe that's a question for you guys. Uh, well, not replace, but you know what I mean. Uh, fill her role, uh, as it were. But, man, I, I just... What a great concept. What a great character. The only fear I would have is that due to the current climate, they would try and tone down his more cavalier aspects. Uh, one, one of the greatest you know, movie lines or one of my favorite movie lines. I can't say one of the greatest. One of my favorite movie lines is when Carolyn Monroe's character says, you know, I, I suppose I'll come with you if you'll have me. And he says, Oh, I'll have you come on. What a badass. Uh, so I, I would hope that they wouldn't tone down his swaggering sexuality. And I also hope that they wouldn't make him a buffoon because that tends to be the answer to that. Like, Okay, well, they can still be... Like, I don't want him to be Ash, because we've already got an Ash. 
I wanted to be Captain Kronos. And part of Captain Kronos is that he's, I mean, he's kind of Batman. He's ready for every situation. And the other cool thing about that movie is we don't really know his origin. He shows up and he knows about all the different kinds of vampires and how to kill them. He's, he arrives on the scene with his skill set. Uh, and there would probably be, if somebody were to bring this franchise into the present day, uh, not setting-wise, but just production-wise, there probably would be the temptation to do an origin movie, and I'd, I'd rather not. I would rather introduce the character, uh, you know, a, as he is mature, ready to kill some vampires. And a possibility would be to center the movie more around the female companion. She's she's our uh, point-of-view character, sort of, for the audience. Like, maybe that would be a good way to approach it, so he can be just as swaggering and fantastical as he wants to be, but we're seeing it all through the eyes uh, of Carolyn Monroe's character. I don't know. There, there are a lot of possibilities, uh, which is one of the things that makes it so exciting, plus the idea of all the different kinds of vampires. And I understand what we do in the shadows has been utilizing that uh, in, in its own uh, campy, funny way, and that's great, but I, I want a more serious take on that. And I'm, I'm sure they're out there. And, and looks, I say serious. Captain Kronos is a swashbuckling adventure film, essentially. Uh, so honestly, tonally... It could almost be a little bit like uh, Stephen Summers' Mummy movies. And and look, I know a lot of people like to poo-poo Stephen Summers, but I think he's freaking phenomenal. And if he was attached to a new Captain Kronos, I would lose my shit. That would be amazing. Uh, just as long as somebody was hired to constantly say to him, don't do Van Helsing again. Don't do Van Helsing again. Because that was terrible. Uh, all right, let's move along to uh, from Wilson. Okay, so we discussed and This is funny because I think this actually comes up on next week's commentary. Uh, Wilson's uh, second question was Halloween 3, Nightmare 2, Friday 5, or Hellraiser 4? Which of these franchises' redheaded stepchildren is your favorite and why? And that's a really tough question for me because uh, over the I'm not going to claim that I've always been on board with all of those movies. Uh, Halloween three and uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Five are ones that you know only over the last decade I've really come to appreciate. Uh, whereas Nightmare Two was the first one that of the series that I saw. I saw Nightmare on Elm Street two before I saw any of the rest of the films. So just for that reason, it sort of holds a special place for me. Uh, and I'll never be able to look down on it the way a lot of people seem to. Uh, and then Hellraiser 4, I liked from the get-go. Because I had seen Hellraiser 1 and 2. Hellraiser 3 was the first R-rated movie I saw in the theater uh, without... Well, I, I never even saw one with parental supervision. It was the first R-rated movie I saw in the theater. I saw it with my buddy Scott. And... It was very, very cool seeing it in the theater. And I appreciate that movie for being sort of a corny studio idea of what Hellraiser is. But it's not good. So going into Hellraiser 4, to me, even though it's the in-space meme you know, thing that all horror, or a lot of horror seems to do, and, and rarely well... 
Uh, I really like Hellraiser Inferno a lot. I think it's got some really cool ideas. I think the jumping through time is a fun narrative device. Uh, and seeing a gigantic puzzle box in outer space that shoots lasers or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's really lofty stuff they're going for with this one. And uh, I like it. So I like all four of these movies. I mean, I think I've talked about Halloween 3 and Friday 5 on on the podcast enough that you guys know. But Halloween 3, sometime in the last decade, I was like, holy shit, wait. And this is, this is often my take on things. Uh, as a matter of fact, it came up to, to diverge slightly uh, over the weekend. I went to the Geek Garage sale, which that, this should have been in my introductory update, but I... I totally forgot about it. Uh, I went to the Geek Garage sale this past weekend on Sunday, uh, and I had told you guys last week that if I made back what I paid for the table and what I paid for my hand truck, I'd be happy. Well, I made that back in like the first hour. Uh, and the rest of the day, I, I I made a lot of money, and I really, I, I far, far surpassed my, my best expectations for how much I would make there. Uh, talked to a lot of really fun people. Some of you guys came by and said hi, and I loved seeing you guys. Uh, Mike Faber, uh, Gary Mitchell, Bobby Nash, um, Kelly dropped by, uh, probably other people that I'm not remembering right now, and it's because I'm shitty with faces and people uh, and, and being nice in general. But it was really cool seeing everybody, but then all the people I didn't know that I got to talk to about the stuff that I had and about uh, just memories of things. And one of the things that came up, uh, because I have a figure from Final Fantasy The Spirits Within, the movie, the CGI movie that came out in theaters uh, years and years ago, probably like 1999 or something. I don't know. I don't even remember. Um, but I had a figure from that because I bought it for Dan Carroll like two years ago because it looks like him. Dan Carroll's the uh, media relations director for Dragon Con. Uh, and he has a very toyetic face if if you're looking for the uh, a, a certain look. And he's got a couple of figures that look exactly like him. And this doctor guy from Final Fantasy Spirits Within looks like Dan Carroll. So I bought him this figure. And I brought it there with me because I thought there was a decent chance Dan would show up on Sunday. He didn't. But that came up in conversation with somebody. And I said, just as a movie, it's a really cool movie. Like, it's enjoyable. It has an interesting story. And, and even by today's standards, the CGI is is pretty cool you know it's not up to snuff with what disney is doing now or anything like that but it, it looks cool but as far as being a final fantasy movie it's a disaster it, it's it's no good at all and that's how i can look at things sometimes as halloween 3 is a phenomenal horror movie apocalypse movie um but not matter of fact, I would go so far as to say Halloween three could fit in with the thing, Prince of Darkness and uh Oh shit, what is the third uh what's the third of uh, you guys are probably screaming it right now. What's what's Carpenter's third apocalypse movie? 
uh, I didn't expect to be talking about this. Anyway, you know, John Carpenter has three apocalypse movies. Uh, I would say Halloween 3 actually fits in with those relatively well. It's it's a great concept. It's a great movie. It's a lot of fun. You can go back and listen to our needless commentary about Halloween 3. Uh, it's just not... Uh, it, it's a terrible Michael Myers movie, obviously, because he's not in it. Uh, and then finally, Friday 5 is so much fun, so entertaining, and I'm not going to talk about it anymore here because we talk about it plenty on next week's commentary. Uh, so out of those four, though, which is my favorite? Yeah, you know, that's a that's a tough call. It, it's because it is picking from, even though they're not the best representations of their respective franchises, they're each... I think some of the best movies from their respective franchises. Um, honestly, I could just close my eyes and point a finger and pick one out, but I think I'm going to have to go with Halloween 3. Uh, Tom Atkins is just a badass. I I love watching that guy do what he does. The movie is so weird and dark and uh, and yet fun at the same time. Uh, and, and out of all four of those, I believe it's the one that I could just pop in anytime and watch and enjoy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Halloween three. I, that is my favorite of the as, as Wilson put it, the redheaded stepchildren of horror, which is, which is a pretty good moniker for those. I'll say. All right, moving on. Uh, our pal Steve, who is the. Uh, the Mandalorian Whisperer. Oh, wait. Ah, shoot. Notes. Come back. Uh, Mandalorian Whisperer Steve. If you could choose a figure to be made that hasn't been made yet, what would it be and who would make it? Um, and he's got after... Okay, let me let me read it. If you could choose a figure to be made that hasn't been made yet, and then in parentheses, genre, what would it be and who would make it? So... My assumption is maybe not necessarily a a figure, but a a property or a franchise, as in like GI Joe or Transformers, as opposed to a specific character. Uh, and that's a tough one because so many things have been made. It would be very easy for me to pick out something that has been made but not in the way that I want or has been made poorly. But as far as things that have not been made, I mean, that's that's a tough call because just about everything under the sun that I'm into has had a toy line. Uh but one's just while I'm thinking, while my wheels are turning, uh, and and it's funny because my visual aid for these questions is usually looking around the Phantom Zone and all the different toy lines to get something to trigger my my mind. But obviously, I can't do that here because everything I'm looking at has been made. Uh, I'll tell you one major one that has been made uh, twice, as a matter of fact. Well, three times if you count twelve inch figures. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China has never received the action figure line that I want. Uh, It got one from, I can't remember if it was SOTA, Soda Toys, or N2 Toys. 
and they're not they're basically statues and some of them don't look great uh i love funko's reaction line of big trouble in little china figures but again it's not exactly what i want i like that retro style and it totally works for that movie but obviously what i would want is for naka to get the license well naka or new contender into the fun well done action figure uh genre whatever uh jazzwares who are doing a killer job with Fortnite and look to be doing an amazing job with the AEW line uh but i mean really naka are the the kings of of articulated realistic figures right now nobody's doing it like they're doing it um hasn't been made i w- i would like and and i'm not including pops because pops are not action figures they're collectibles uh because i mean if, if you include pops there's no we might as well stop talking now uh i would actually really like to see i recently got a couple of figures from the office i cannot remember who made them they're st- they're standing in front of me right now uh and they are reviewed on needlessthingspodcast.com if you go back there's some of the last one of the last posts i put up i would really really like to have a line of figures like this of parks and recreation i would buy the heck out of that uh i'm not terribly interested in the pops that they're doing because again those aren't action figures those aren't toys and and look don't get me wrong we've got plenty of pops in the house but we're pretty specific and picky about what we get and what we think that format works best for um and and parks and rec i'm I'm just not interested in pops of that but if they were to do these five inch figures that are a little more realistic i mean they look like toys they're they're realistic in a toyetic way uh, if they were to do parks and rec which i think it seems like it would be likely it was an nbc show as was the office uh, i would buy every single one of those but I have a feeling you weren't asking to hear about a sitcom. And you know what? I've got to go to my fallback. Uh, Captain Kronos. Never been any toys. There were some busts released, uh, I think by Gentle Giant. But there have never, not even 12-inch, uh, which sideshow and other companies have hit on some of the hammer uh characters but there's never been anything from captain chronos if somebody was to do a captain chronos line i would be good with Migo doing it uh obviously i'd be good with naked doing it although that seems very unlikely um i would want them to be realistic i wouldn't want them to be uh toyed up or cartoony in any way um but yeah, Captain Chronos line would be phenomenal as well. So that's apparently I've just chosen the picture for this week's episode. All right, let's move on because I'm taking a long time on these. I might not, might not even might not even make it to the end of the the leftover questions. Uh, Ryan Cadaver, favorite toy line that is just a toy line and nothing else, no show, comic, movie, nothing. Ah, uh, boy, that's uh, uh, Mad Balls. Well. Okay, see, that's that's too tough a question because 
I'm going to have to assume you mean something that started as a toy line and then perhaps had tie-ins because, I mean, nothing is just a toy line. Like, that doesn't even happen. Not since the 80s, anyway. Uh, everything has some kind of tie-in unless it's an import, like one of the like the Resurrection of Monstrous line or something like that. Um, like, everything has some kind of tie-in. Well, Madball's even had a cartoon. Maybe that's just straight up not a good choice. Uh, once again, I'm looking around the Phantom Zone for visual aids. And, well, and you know what? There's stuff like the core, but that, nobody's going to call that their favorite toy line. Uh, I don't know. That's, I, I, my answer is either... I don't have one or mad balls because it started as a toy line. Oh, you know what? Nope. I take that back. Boglins. Uh, Boglins never had a comic or a TV show or a movie or anything of that nature. It's straight up just a toy line. And that that's my favorite. There you go. Uh, by friend of the show. Hang on just a second. Sorry, I'm getting a weird notification here that took my notes away. Okay, we're back. Uh, Ryan. Ryan Schweck, our head of research. Biggest toy movie show comic that looked like it was going to be great and then was a total letdown. Oh, gosh. Uh, I really, really hate <laughs> to keep bagging because you said biggest biggest toy movie show comic now granted this could be four different questions uh, but I'm not going to do it that way I'm going to say toy or movie or show or comic and I'll tell you what I'll save this for next time and maybe address the others but the first thing that jumps in my head and I promised myself I wasn't going to harp on this anymore but Nothing has been as big a letdown to me as The Last Jedi. That's all I'm going to say about it. I've I've cried about that movie enough over the past couple of years. I don't want to do it anymore. But uh, that that's one of the biggest disappointments ever. Uh, and there are a couple that are that were potentially more disappointing, but that was the biggest. It was shocking. It's still shocking to me that that I don't like that movie. Uh, all right, friend of the show, Sharon, rate your top five John Carpenter movies and why. Big Trouble in Little China is number one right out of the gate. That's easy. It's the perfect movie to sum up everything about me. If If somebody were to ask me, hey, Dave, what movie could I watch to get a pretty good idea of who you are, as far as your sense of humor and dynamism and action and, and what you like, Big Trouble in Little China would be the answer. Uh, number two, I'm going to say The Thing, one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Flawless. It's a flawless film. You, you, you cannot fight The Thing. Uh, it, it is perfection, cinematic perfection. Uh, number three, um, Escape from New York. It's it's a little grimmer that I then I like at this point in my life, 
and, and yes, there's plenty of fun to be had in it, but the whole dystopian thing, it's it's a it's a little bit of a downer of a movie. Uh, as great as Kurt Russell is and as wacky as so many of the characters are, it's it's a little more down than I like, but as far as John Carpenter movies, that's definitely uh, one of my favorites. I'll, I'll, I'll call that my number three. Uh, number four, Escape from L.A. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Although I do like Escape from L.A. I'm going to go with Halloween as number four. So, uh, because it's classic again, flawless. It's a flawless film. Think about how many uh, John Carpenter's movies are incredible. I can't keep going about that. Okay, so, uh, so number five, fifth favorite John Carpenter movie. Who? Uh, it's it's tough because. Once you get past those four, for me, everything else up until Vampires is kind of on level ground. Uh, It's not Memoirs of an Invisible Man, although you should go check out the Double Edge Double Feature podcast episode that I guested on where we talked about Memoirs of an an Invisible Man and uh, Prince of Darkness. Uh, Prince of Darkness could be my number five. I've developed a new enjoyment of The Fog. I used to not like that movie, and I went ahead and pulled the trigger on Shout Factory's recent special edition Blu-ray, and I really dig that movie. Mm. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with Prince of Darkness in the number five slot. I really, really dig that movie. Um, Or do I go with They Live? Ugh. Gosh. No, I got to go with uh, Roddy Piper. I got to go with They Live. So They Live is number five. It's it's one of the first ones I saw that made me sort of... Like it made John Carpenter stick in my head. You know how a director's first movie that's the one where you're like, this John Carpenter, this name is sticking with me. When I saw They Live, I I believe it was the movie that really made his name stick. Uh, So there you go. Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York. I'm sorry, Big Trouble in Little China, The Thing, Escape from New York, Halloween, and They Live. Uh, Corey from Spooky Dudes Podcast. What is the most valuable lesson you've learned as a podcaster host personality? (sighs) Manage your expectations. (laughs) Um, you know, it's funny. I, if you go to oldneedlessthings.com, you can find plenty of articles about the Masters of the Universe Classics series, about MaddieCollector.com, about DC Universe Classics, and, uh, the great and powerful Scott Knightlick, also known as Toy Guru, one of his favorite catchphrases was, manage your expectations. And at the time, it almost seemed like a bit of a thumb in the eye to, to customers, but man, is it a valuable lesson? Uh, you know, aim high, but be happy with where you land because things don't work out sometimes. And sometimes when things do work out, they're not as great as you thought they were going to be. 
learn to look for the silver lining. Learn to appreciate what is good about everything. Uh, because things are going to go wrong. And I don't know that every... And look, I, I will... When I feel that I'm I'm good at something or I have a talent for something, I'm not shy about admitting it. I feel like I have a talent for dealing with things, uh, with being prepared, with handling adversity, and with always having a, a plan or being able to think on my feet when I'm in the moment of a performance or whatever. Uh, and not everybody has that, and it's going to make your life harder if you don't. But when things don't go well, be sure you take note of what did go well. Try and find the positivity in every single thing that you experience and do. And afterwards, focus on that. When somebody asks you how a show went, don't sit there and talk about like, oh, the mic stand was too short and somebody missed their cue and... I'm not happy with the audio because one, half of the issues that you may have with something that you've done, it's possible that your audience didn't even notice. And if you don't point it out, they'll think everything went great. So don't sit there focusing on those negatives that may only matter to you. And that's not to say that they shouldn't have significance to you and you shouldn't try harder to do better next time. You should, but don't let that stuff eat you up because so much of the time it doesn't matter to anybody else and you're beating yourself up over nothing. Look for those positives. You know, Don't think about the mic stand being too short. Think about the fact that you hit your cues and that people laugh when you wanted them to laugh. Think about the fact that the, the music hit at the right time. Think about the fact that everybody had fun. Um think about the fact that the power didn't go out you know whatever you've got to latch on to to appreciate something look for that silver lining look for those positives and focus on that and don't don't be a grump uh don't don't bitch and moan all the time because nobody wants to hear that and i i do my best to stay away from that kind of stuff because look i'm not leading a charmed life i don't uh everything doesn't go great for me all the time if you've been following me for any amount of time you know i hate my money job but i don't sit here and bitch about it every single week i don't open every single show with oh work sucks again sometimes it's relevant to what i'm talking about sometimes like today it has an effect on the reason i'm doing what i'm doing but I don't let that be a major focal point of who I am as a person. And I think if you can let positivity be your focal point, then in general you're going to have a much happier life than if you spend all your time thinking about the bad stuff. And that just seems like common sense to me. And I know it's not the easiest thing to do, especially when you've got a lot of bad stuff all at once. But uh, if you can hang on to those silver linings, they'll get you through. So there you go. I didn't mean for that to turn into motivational speaking, but that's uh, the truth. That's how I feel. Uh, I've got another one from Corey, but that's going to have to wait until now. We've got two more from Corey, but they're going to have to wait until next time because I've got to get through these last ones this week. 
Uh, from our pal Bobby Nash, what TV shows are you enjoying these days? Uh, Lock and Key on Netflix is great. Bob's Burgers is the greatest television show that's on right now. Uh, I am thoroughly enjoying WWE Raw. I think they've been doing a great job these past few weeks. Uh, SmackDown has been not good. There are good parts of SmackDown, and I still enjoy it more than I don't enjoy it. But overall, since it moved to Fox, the quality has not been great. Uh, NXT, I think, is the best wrestling show on TV. And, of course, NWA Power every Tuesday night at 6.05 on YouTube is so much fun, so great, very enjoyable. Uh, outside of that, i got to be honest, I, I haven't been keeping up since we ditched cable. I have not been keeping up with a whole lot of episodic television. I want to get to Batwoman. Uh, I honestly, nobody in the family really cares about Flash uh, or Supergirl or Arrow anymore. Uh, we we just, they're not on our radar. Uh, I tried Hunters, the new Amazon show with Al Pacino. We watched the first maybe 20 minutes of the first episode last night, and I really don't care for the way it's shot. Um... It, it just, something about it is rubbing me the wrong way, and, and I don't know what it is. I'm going to give it another chance because I might have just been not the right frame of mind for it. You know how that is sometimes, but uh, that didn't I didn't quite do it for me. I really enjoyed the last season of Lost in Space. Uh, I'm trying to think of other streaming stuff that's going on. There's just not much that's current right now. I'm super stoked for Ozark to come back. Or Ozarks. I can't remember if it's plural or not. Ozarks, probably. That sounds right. Uh, the Jason Bateman show. I can't wait for that to come back. It comes back very soon. And our pal Bobby, who asked this question, is in it. Uh, keep an eye out for him. Oh, I can't remember when he where he told me he made his appearance. Uh, but possibly he'll comment on this very post. So yeah, not honestly, not a lot of TV or, or not a lot of uh, current TV. I guess. I mean, every time I can, I throw on like an old Magnum PI or something. I enjoy that. Uh, all right, uh, from Will Price, what is your top five movies of all time and why? I mean, why? Because they're great and I love them. I, I I'm I can't. That would be a whole other episode if I got into detail on each of the movies. And I will say this, I'm going to name five movies right now. I might name five different movies tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now. But it's pretty safe to say that these five are going to be consistent with me. Uh, number one movie, favorite movie of all time, Big Trouble in Little China. Um, 1989 Batman, Ghostbusters, RoboCop, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 1990. Is that five? That's five. So, yeah, those are my top five of all time because I love them. Uh, you will hear more detail about all of those movies in the future on the Needless Things podcast if you have not already. And we've, we've covered some of them. Uh, and we will absolutely be covering uh, one of those very soon. Uh, from our pal Rebecca, first horror film that made an impression on you. That's, that could mean a lot of different things, but I'm going to say Phantasm. Now, I had seen other horror movies, and, and honestly, the start of my horror fandom was from watching Hammer Horror movies on the late-night movie show with my granny in North Carolina. So, I mean, technically, 
hammer horror sort of generally that they played made the first impression but i think the spirit of the question here is what's something that really stuck with you in a singular way rather than made you interested in horror and the first horror film that really like slapped me in the face was phantasm uh, i saw it when i was very young and it's so weird it's so strange it's so unique and it's scary you watch it now and it's scary and part of the reason it's scary is because of how weird it is it just the you know angus scrim the tall man he's tattooed on my right forearm right there looking at me all the time and his performance as the tall man is so haunting so heads literally head and shoulders above any other horror icon as far as being strange and terrifying you know you you I, I love Freddy I love Jason I love Leatherface I love all those guys none of them hold a candle to Angus Scrim for being weird and terrifying uh, and that uh, just Phantasm made such an impact on me and Don Coscarelli of course is one of the most innovative and original filmmakers ever um and that's that's his baby that's that's one of his masterpieces you know he's he's got a few but yeah that first phantasm just creeped me out and intrigued me at the same time and i think that's that mixture of horrifying and compelling that you know it doesn't always happen and and it happened there where they felt like more than just uh, or phantasm rather felt like more than just this is supposed to be spooky look at that monster uh, which is mostly what i had, had experienced up to that point uh all right scott what were the commercials that stuck out to you growing up huh any ad campaigns that you have nostalgia for okay well that the second question and uh that's they're, those are intertwined enough that I feel like I can answer them together. Ad campaigns that, that you have nostalgia for are literally anything from the 80s. I mean, the Toys R Us kid commercials, um, all the G.I. Joe, all the Hasbro products, um, the Madballs, the, the the weird Madballs jingle uh, that I might drop in at the end of this if I remember to look it up and put it in here. Um I mean that all that stuff is is phenomenal. It's great. Even the Teddy Ruxpin commercials, like all that stuff, transports you back in such a significant way. Um, as far as what stuck out to me, uh, the California Raisins stuck out big time. The Noid, uh, I guess, cartoonish mascots where they weren't necessarily um, in, intuitive that they should be cartoonish, like the ra- singing raisins. We're pushing raisins now with these claymation characters that sound like the Temptations. Uh, the Noid, also a claymation character, now that I think about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was animated at one point as well, but he started off as claymation. And, uh, you know, that that was always an interesting thing where they were using sort of children's tools. And, and it's it's manipulative because... The kids are interested in this little mascot and pester their parents for whatever that product is. Like it's it's very smart and manipulative. Uh, so that yeah, that stuff is interesting to me. When you when you had the mascot that was clearly aimed at children advertising a product 
that, I mean, granted, adults buy all the products. It's not like I was going to the store by myself and buying G.I. Joe's, but you know what I mean. Uh, so, yeah, that stuff is interesting to me when they're manipulating the family unit in order to to increase sales. Uh, and finally, the last question left over from last month, aside from the repeat, or aside from people that had multiples, which I'll get to the next time, uh, from our pal Robert, if you could design any toy figure for any franchise, what would it be and why? Now look, it would be very easy for me to say I would design Captain Kronos. And, okay, that's a given. I've mentioned that movie twice now. That's a third time. Let me do something a little different here. Uh, I'm going to throw out my idea that will never ever get made, so I'm not worried about just sharing it here. I want a Hammer Horror line with... It would include Captain Kronos, but it would also include Christopher Lee's Dracula and... uh, you know their their version of the mummy and and the reptile and and all you know anything from Hammer. Uh, I want a Hammer horror line, but I want it done in the style of the '80s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles line. So it would be over the and and if if you're having a little trouble with that idea, think about the uh, Monster Force figures from Playmates. Uh, as far as humans go, think a little more along the lines of the Star Trek figures from Playmates. Uh, you know, not necessarily full-on Ninja Turtle look, but aesthetically, these would be sort of cartoony versions of all of the Hammer characters. Uh, or not necessarily car- toyetic versions. Like I said, think more really, I guess, along the lines of of Playmates Star Trek line. I just just thinking about that excites me. Thinking about the playability now, articulation wise, they would not have the goofy V cuts at the the hips. Uh, Design wise, they'd probably be more like what Mattel is doing right now with their Masters of the WWE line. They wouldn't be as muscular as that. But articulation-wise, they would be very similar. Uh, I would love to sit down and design that line, and I would have fun with it too. I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be a straightforward Christopher Lee in a Dracula cape. Uh, you know, he he would be. He'd have the the red eyes and a little gore coming out of his mouth, and like it would be a little exaggerated, but still recognizable as the characters. I think that would be so much fun. And while, you know, collector-wise, I would prefer Mego Hammer Horror or the twelve some of the 12-inch uh, Hammer Horror. I've got a 12-inch Christopher Lee that's phenomenal. You know, collector-wise, maybe I'd prefer that. But if I'm designing a toy line, I think that would be so much fun to do. All right, so that is all of the questions that were left over from last month. What I'm going to do now is take a look at the questions that have come in tonight. I'm not going to be able to get to them all because I've already gotten more than I really expected uh, since this has only been up for about an hour. So I'm going to take a look and see what we've got here. Uh, Let's see. Bobby Nash, you already got a question tonight. Uh, Gary, I think you got one tonight. 
Maybe, yeah. No, Gary didn't have a question tonight. What is Gary's question? Favorite moment that made you go, hell yeah, in a movie or TV show in the last few years? Uh, it's got to be on your left, right? Nothing's bigger than that. Nothing. Uh, tears. Tears of joy. Everybody in the audience going fucking bonkers. Uh, and, and if you don't know, that's, it's from Endgame. And I'm, I'm like right now getting a little teary, just thinking about it. Uh, what a powerful moment. What a powerful way to present that moment. And we all knew it was coming. Everybody sitting in that theater knew those guys were coming back. Nobody believed they were really dead. Nobody believed that was the end of the movie, right? Nobody thought Cap was just going to go down there and that was going to be it. Uh, yeah, on your left. That's it, man. That's nothing's, nothing's, I say with confidence, nothing is ever going to top that. Nothing. All right. Uh, what else have we got? So that's, that's from the Needless Things podcast Facebook group. Um, let's see here. Uh, Adam Pewitt. Uh, Bobby's got one in here too. I'm not going to answer two from Bobby, but I will make a note of it for next time. Uh, Adam Pewitt, what is one thing you used to collect that is still being produced that you don't collect today and why? Uh, okay. This should be easier than it really is. I'm trying to think of anything that I've just cut off. I, I, you know, a couple of, well, a few months ago, it would have been the WWE elite figures, but I've gotten back into those. Uh, it's really difficult to just say no to, to anything because toy lines evolve over time and something you may not like about a toy line now may change, you know, at some point I had stopped collecting Marvel legends. At one point I had stopped collecting, uh, I stopped collecting DC Universe Classics twice over the course of that run. Uh, I was not collecting it when it started. Um, I can't honestly say there's anything. Okay, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. And, and so this is an at the moment. When Transformers War for Cybertron Siege launched... It blew me away. I had bought some of the Powers of the Prime figures, or Power of the Primes, whatever it was. I had bought some of those because they were very reminiscent of the toys I had when I was a kid. Uh, or the toys that were out when I was a kid. I didn't necessarily have a lot of Transformers. Um, so Power of the Primes kind of poked at my nostalgia button a little bit. But then, when War for Cybertron Siege hit... I mean, these are designs directly out of the 80s cartoon. They are, transformation-wise, the most intuitive transformations I've ever seen. They're not as simple, obviously, as the 80s toys, but almost every single one of the Siege figures I bought, I was able to transform from memory after doing it once through the instructions. These were the Transformers toys I'd been waiting my whole life for, and I dove in head first and finally I realized I just can't as much as I love the Transformers cartoon as much as I love the Transformers as a franchise I just can't collect those toys it's not practical 
and this has happened lots of times over the years where I've started back in on Transformers. They'll get me. They'll put out a great-looking Shockwave or they'll put out a great-looking Prime. And I just can't resist. And, you know, it's like potato chips. As soon as you buy one, oh, well, now this one looks great. Well, if I've got a Prime, i got to have a Megatron. If I've got a Megatron, i got to have a Starscream. If I've got a Starscream, then and what, have I got Megatron and Starscream and, and nobody to hang out with Prime? Oh, look at that. It's a great-looking Ironhide. He's finally looks like the 80s cartoon and not some weird windshield or a, a different transformation that doesn't make sense. Like, you know, you, you get sucked into this stuff. Well... So I, I had that moment of clarity, and I put my entire collection of War for Cybertron Siege figures up on eBay, sold it, and I'm done. And I can say with confidence, until the next round of like even more perfect 80s Transformers hits you know, five years from now, and I can't resist again. But, but for the time being, uh, the War for Cybertron line is still going strong and still putting out stuff that looks great. Every time I see it in the stores, I'm like, Argh! But, uh, yeah, I am not collecting that anymore. All right, so that is all the questions in the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group. Let me, just for one final question here, I'm going to pop out to my general post uh, out in the public Facebook. Well, not public, but whoever's whoever's here that are my friends. And pick one or two of these, depending on how long it takes me to answer. I'm going to take a sip of beverage here. Okay, um, another Adam, but a different one. Oh, this is now. See the now we're getting into uh, the stuff that that I more expect to see when I ask people for things on Facebook. Adam Thomas, would you rather fight one? And, and by the way, Adam Thomas from Double Edge Double Bill, you should go listen to their episode. Uh, you should listen to all their episodes because it's a really fun pa- uh, podcast. But uh, go listen to their Prince of Darkness and Memoirs of an Invisible Man, their John Carpenter episode uh, that I guessed it on because it's great. Uh, but all their shows are great. It's a great podcast, and you should uh, subscribe to it and rate it after you subscribe to and rate Needless Things. Uh, Adam Thomas, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? Uh, Well, that really depends on if the horse-sized duck is riding a horse or if the 100 duck-sized horses are riding ducks. Uh, Please get back to me with your elaboration on that question. Uh, Noah Holt who I was absent last time, and I was expecting his nonsense, and, and he didn't come through. But this time he has. Uh, Noah Holt's question number one, what's the deal with airline food? And then Noah Holt question number two, what's the deal with women and shopping? I mean, how many pairs of shoes do they need? Well, I can't answer those, but I'm sure our good close friend Jerry Seinfeld can. Uh, Cliff Bishop, drums or flats? Uh, I mean, it depends. Do you want to make percussive music or do you want to walk comfortably around the city while you shop? Uh, for my part, I'm more likely to need to walk comfortably. So I'm going to say flats. Uh, let's see here. I'm just going to scroll through and see. Do, 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 do. Oh... I got to delete this one. No political questions in here, butthole. Oh gosh, what are we doing? Okay, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to make note of all these questions 
but uh, I can't say any of them uh, won't keep until the next time I decide to answer questions. Although I hate to end on these dumb ones. Uh, let's see. There's got to be something good. Let me, I'll tell you what. Let me pull up my other list. We'll go back to our pal Corey and see what see if I can get one of his in real quick. Oh, this is a good one to close on. Okay, so we're going to get another one in from Corey from Spooky Dudes. Uh, do you ever find it difficult to balance your duties as a father, husband, and your online endeavors? Uh, an example, uh, podcasting, blogging. Uh, no, not really. I, I mean, to be honest, the being... While I have deadlines and stuff for the podcast, like right now I'm downstairs recording this instead of upstairs hanging out with the family, but uh, throughout the rest of the week I'm going to get plenty of family time in. Uh, I would never, if there was a need, I would never put this in front of anything. Like if something came up where I knew I was going to have to choose between getting, I I have gotten this podcast up by 11 a.m. on Friday every single week for the past six years or something like that. Uh, but if a situation, and I take a lot of pride in it being that regular and being that weekly. Okay. Sometimes it's been on a Wednesday when it needed to come in early, but, uh, I, I have, I don't think I've ever put up an episode late and I take a lot of pride in being on time and being consistent and having a weekly show. Cause I think that's important. But if a situation ever arose where, something with my family I knew was going to cause the podcast to be delayed or late or something like that, uh, then the podcast comes second, 100%. There's not even a, there's not even a question there. And, and if my family needs me more than this does, uh, there, there's not even a moment of, of thought or hesitation. Now, there are times as far as doing things, the, the internet stuff is easy because, I mean, I can, I can write and record and whatever anytime i mean i can do this at two o'clock in the morning when they're in bed so it's not really the internet stuff that's ever been a choice uh it's the the live stuff that i do that has required a lot more thought about how much i'm doing and when that's the stuff that really takes up your time i mean the game show was months of planning uh the episode 200 took a lot of planning um you know that that's the stuff where i am aware that i am sacrificing family time in order to pursue these things however you cannot just be one thing you need to be a complete person and to me uh those outside pursuits round me out they help me grow they make me a better person which makes me in turn a better father and a better husband and maybe i'm rationalizing a little bit there but i do believe that i think you need to do lots of things i think you need to uh have a rich life full of things that you want to experience you can't just hammer down and I'm going to be dad 100% of the time all the time because you're not experiencing anything else and you know as your kid gets older how are you going to give them any kind of life lessons if you haven't had a life um and as for you know no, nobody or nobody that I know is fulfilled by just a couple of things 
you need to have the human experience to be a complete human. And if you're not happy with yourself, then you're not capable of making anybody else happy either. So while, yes, I spent a lot of time doing the game shows or whatever, planning panels for Dragon Con, doing that kind of stuff, to me it makes me a more complete person that makes me more able to satisfy the needs of the people around me because I myself am satisfied uh, by those things. And over time it changes. You know, now I'm less interested in doing that stuff than I used to be because I've done so much and I sort of recognize the ceiling of where I can go and I have that level of satisfaction and the drive, the fire in my belly isn't there like it used to be. So it's not that... I don't know. It's it's the balance changes over time, but I have always uh, made a, an effort to maintain the best possible balance for myself as a human, as a father, and as a husband. So there you go. There's the answer for that. I hope you guys enjoyed the second ever Needless Things podcast Q&A with your old pal Dave. If I did not answer your questions, I'm sorry I didn't get to them or they were dumb. And uh, I will, I've got a few questions left that, unless a ton more just come barreling in tonight, uh, I will probably pepper the rest of the questions throughout future Needless Things episodes. So please stay tuned. I will get to your question, unless it's so dumb that my eyes sprain while rolling back in my head. And uh, let's see, how do we close it out? I'm, I'm playing the music now. I've got to wrap things up. I've got to know when to wrap things up. I don't have the music on the screen in front of me. So now I've just got to time how long I should be talking. Next week, on the 13th, Friday the 13th, we will be commentarying on A New Beginning, starring our pal Roy Burns. Spoiler alert, I guess. You probably knew that. Not as I, as we we got a little confused about. Not Roy Barnes. It does not star the governor, uh, former governor of Georgia. Uh, but please tune in next week. Get yourself a copy of Friday the Thirteenth Part Five: New Beginnings, starring Governor Roy Barnes, and sit down with us, the Needless Commentary Team, and enjoy. Uh, thank you for listening. I love you guys. Mad balls, mad balls, gross for one, gross for all. We play with a mad ball, they're gross, funny, yucky, sick. There's eight, so you can take your pick. We throw, catch, it's uh uh-oh fun. There's so much gross in every one. Freaky fun is what they're for. There's so much ugly, so much more. Gross for one, gross for all. We play with a mad ball. We play with a mad ball. We play with a mad ball. Mad ball. Mad ball. Freaky fun for everyone, sold separately from Amtoy. Mad ball. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.